G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au The people at the local Presbyterian Church were very friendly immediately and welcomed us, but they they said openly, look, we really frown upon parents who just leave their children and go off and do their own thing. We really would like one of you to stay. And I I, I said, all right, all right, I I will. And um, from the very start, Eric, I just got interested. Welcome to Real Faith conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith with Eric Scadabo. Roy Williams was top in his class in law school and was hired by one of Australia's oldest and most prestigious law firms. All was going well in his law career when he decided to send his four-year-old daughter to Sunday school. And then something surprising happened when he stayed to hear the sermon. Roy Williams is the author of several Christian books, including Mr. Eternity, the story of Arthur Stace. Roy joins us today from his home in Sydney to share his story. Roy Williams, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Eric. Glad to have you with us, and I'm looking forward to hearing Arthur Stace's story, that book, Mr. Eternity. That's very interesting. Everybody knows about Mr. Eternity and how the word eternity was on the Sydney Harbor Bridge on uh, New Year's Eve, 1999 or 2000, however you want to look at that. So that's a fascinating story, and you had the opportunity to share that. Is that right? Yes, indeed, Eric. I had the very great honor and responsibility of uh, telling Arthur's story properly for the first time the invitation of uh, Bible Society Australia back in 2017. And your co-author for that book, somebody who actually knew Arthur Stace? Yes, Elizabeth Myers. uh, Her father was a Baptist pastor who knew Arthur very well. And it was actually the man who unmasked him to the public in 1956 as Mr. Eternity, as the man who was writing the word in chalk on on Sydney pavements. Uh, So Elizabeth had a, was a mine of information about Arthur and very passionate to get the book written. She'd been trying for years to do so, and uh, finally it all came together. I, w- I was the scribe, huh. uh, the hired gun. <laughs> well, it's a wonderful story of how somebody who was down on his luck, a drunkard, I guess they used that term back in the 1930s, and he went from that to writing the word eternity all over Sydney, and then to have it be put on the Sydney Harbour Bridge at such a pivotal moment in the history of Sydney on that New Year's Eve at the turn of the millennium. Uh, Wow, what an incredible story. I'm looking forward to hearing that. But first, today, we're going to focus on your story, how you became the author of that book and several other Christian books. But first, it all started off, you had a law background. Let's go back even further. Where did it all begin? Well, I probably should just say a little bit about my upbringing to put my story in context. So I Mm -hmm. I grew up on the north shore of Sydney. I was born in 1963, and I lived in a very happy, comfortable home with my parents and my younger brother. Uh, My parents were extremely intelligent, cultured, and ethical people, but they weren't Christians Mm -hmm. in any any meaningful sense of the word. Um, 
they've both uh, died recently, but um, and I don't quite know how they stood with, with God in the end, mm-hmm. despite my best efforts. But mm-hmm. the key point about me is that I, I was brought up in a thoroughly secular home. Mm-hmm. I did go to Sunday school in the late 1960s, early 70s. Uh, yeah, apparently that was common at that time, even though your parents weren't churchgoers and didn't have any time for a religion, but it was important to them to send you to Sunday school. It was. It was It was conventional. Um, mm-hmm. And my grandmother was a Christian. She was actually mm-hmm. the daughter of a, of a Presbyterian minister. Um, but uh, your mum and dad were not. But, yes, that was just the done thing in those days. It's, yeah. it's hard to imagine now, but I was at the tail end of that phenomenon. So you did have some spiritual input in your life at that point? Look, the, the, very, the very basics, but, I mean, I was probably only about seven years old when I ceased going to Sunday school. I did have one or two Christian friends in primary school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, look, to be honest, Eric, it, it made no lasting impression on me. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I'm quite ashamed in retrospect of, of how ignorant I was uh, of all things Christian, despite being what I thought was a highly educated person, and I suppose I was in, in, in secular ways. But I, I, I had this huge gap in my knowledge, which I didn't discover until my mid-30s. And your parents were involved in progressive politics at that time? Yes, so that was our religion. That that was our family religion. My My father was very heavily involved with the uh, the ALP, the Australian Labor Party. He worked mm-hmm. for prime ministers and premiers. Um, so that's what we imbibed in our home. The virtues of, um, well, certainly hard work mm-hmm. on an individual level, but also um, giving back to the, to the community through the Labor Party. Mm-hmm. And turning to your education, you did well in school? Yes, I, I did. I did well in school. I did extremely well at university. I just had a knack for passing law exams with, <laughs> with high marks. So I, I, I topped my year, as you were kind enough to say, at Sydney University, mm-hmm. and then moved straight into the law, um, straight into a job in my, in my early 20s. And that was going well. You were in a prestigious law firm and you were made a partner at age 32. Look, in the eyes of the world, it was all going extremely well. Mm-hmm. And um, look, I was able to do the job uh, very competently. To be perfectly truthful, I never much enjoyed it. I, Is I, that right? Yeah, I realise now that it was extremely valuable experience for me. Mm-hmm. How so? Uh, well, um, if you're a practising litigator, which I was, you're dealing daily with um, other people's problems. And you see, you see the best and worst, uh, the focus on the worst hmm. of um, of human behaviour. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah, you know, you under, you begin to understand how the world really works. Yeah. Uh, and it's not a, it's it, it's in general not a pleasant picture, uh, especially when huge money's involved and high stakes. I was a litigator, court, commercial and media law. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of high-profile clients. It was at the cutting edge. Um, as I say, I learned a lot. A lot of the skills I now have, I wouldn't have, but for that experience. Yeah. So it sounds like you you knew firsthand about uh, man's sinful nature. As someone once said, the doctrine of original sin is the only one that is proved every minute of every day. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah. So yeah. so that part of Christianity, it didn't take a lot of convincing for you. No, no. You're like, uh, yeah, what? yeah, I know that one. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I yeah. understand that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so here your life is going on, successful, but as you mentioned, ironically, not really enjoying it. Uh, and then uh, all of a sudden, you decided out of the blue to take your daughter to Sunday school class. How did that come about? Well, uh, again, to tell the honest truth, I, I think I had in mind a couple of things. One was, look, I went to Sunday school when I was her age. Mm -hmm. It was four. Yeah. So following the tradition? Following the tradition, which by then had more or less died out. But um, mm -hmm. but you're going to keep it alive. <laughs> I, I thought she should go, but I expected just to be able to drop her at the door, as my parents had always done with me. Yeah. But you, you were in for a little surprise, huh? Yeah. So the... The people at the local Presbyterian church uh, in Sydney, in the Sydney suburb where I lived, Roseville, were very friendly immediately mm -hmm. and welcomed mm -hmm. us. But they, they said openly, look, we really frown upon parents who just leave their children and go off and do their own thing. We really would like one of you to stay. And I, I, I said, all right, all right, I, I will. <laughs> and um, from the very start, Eric, I, got, I just got interested. Hmm. Sat in the back of the church. I was only probably only half listening to the what was going on for the first few visits, but I dipped into the Bible in the pew. Mm -hmm. I, I, I distinctly remember that. I distinctly remember reading passages from a couple of Paul's letters, and it was an annotated Bible. And I, I remember just very early on realizing how little I knew mm. about Christianity. Mm -hmm. This big gap in my knowledge and. Um, I became fascinated. Just being the sort of person I am, I I read voraciously. I read my way into it. I, th hmm. I thought my way into it. Hmm. Intellectually? Intellectually at first. But the spirit was clearly moving in me. I remember reading the Gospels on the train going to and from the city and reading the Sermon on the Mount and having one of my first light bulb moments. You know, wow, this, this is essentially where... All of those ethical rules that my father drummed into me came from. Mm. This, is, this is it. This is the source of Western morality. Yeah. In beautiful, in the most beautiful language, spoken by this extraordinarily charismatic figure. Um, that's how it appeared to me in the first few weeks and months. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how did it go from the head to the heart? How did God capture your heart? Yes, I've often tried to put myself back in those in those days. Mm -hmm. um, I think I first became convinced because I read widely apologetics, mm -hmm. uh, the likes of Lewis and Schaefer and uh, many of the classics. Mm -hmm. I also read a lot about science. I was fascinated early with trying to reconcile modern science with Christianity. That mm -hmm. that. That, I realized, had been a subconscious deal-breaker for me. I'd, I'd, I'd assumed for a long time that the two were irreconcilable. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I actually read a lot of science, including not necessarily science books written by Christians. Probably came later to those. But the more I read about science, the more I came to believe in a creator. Mm. That this, this universe, this world, just could not be a, an accident. Mm-hmm. I suppose I became a deist before I became a Christian. And basically, what is that? 
a deist, someone who believes in a creator God, but not necessarily in Christ. I mean, so people of many religions would be would be called deists. Uh, they believe in God, and I guess for a month or so that's what I was. But oh, okay. then I started reading and listening to the words of the gospel and reading into the case for for Christ and and the the early Christian church, how it got started. And mm-hmm. um, I remember an Easter sermon where a visiting minister just spoke about the basic evidence for the resurrection, mm-hmm. and that made a big impact on me. See, the other thing you've got to understand, Eric, is I was coming at this as a lawyer. Yeah. So yeah. I, was, I was searching You're for evidence. You're looking for a case. I'm looking for a case. There's a really uh, neat little book called The Case for Christ. By, yeah, Lee Strobel. Strobel, American mm-hmm. journalist. Yeah. I found that useful in the early stages. I mean, it, it's not a terribly sophisticated book, but for someone like me who was coming at it with almost no background knowledge, it was something of a revelation. And then you read more and more widely, of course. And then also, going on in your heart, you realized yes. later that you had been yearning for something. Yeah, I had. I mean, the, the other part of my story is, well, I've alluded to the fact I was unhappy in my job, but I, I, although I was very fortunate earning a lot of money, doing interesting things. There was this yearning. And the other aspect of my conversion was the sheer experience of Christian fellowship. Yeah, why was that important to you? Because for the first time in my life, I was I was mingling with people, with whom most of whom I had very little in common with, and who didn't expect anything of me. There was no... Mm. And you hadn't experienced that before? Not really. Huh, Life has always been a contest, uh, a striving to succeed, hmm. a striving to uh, please people, starting with my parents and then at work and so on. Um, so the first time you sort of had people just welcoming you on a quite unconditional basis, people of all ages, both sexes, mixed backgrounds, and that was... I found it touching. I, I was genuinely touched by it. Mm. I also loved the singing of hymns. Mm-hmm. I found that very emotional. Mm-hmm. So that's how it, it moves from the intellect and the head down to the heart yeah. and, and the emotions and feelings. At some stage later that year, probably within six months, I, I realized yeah, I, I, I'm a believer. Mm. I mean, of course, it's an, it's an ongoing process. Yeah. And um, it's a constant journey. Mm-hmm. But... Um, that, that's, that's how it began for me. Our guest today is Roy Williams, who's sharing his life journey and how he went from being a secular lawyer to being an author of several Christian books. We'll hear more of Roy's story when we return right here on Real Faith. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. You're listening to Real Faith, conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and today I'm chatting with Roy Williams, 
who is the author of several Christian books, including Mr. Eternity, the story of Arthur Stace, which we will focus on next time. But today, Roy is sharing his story and how he became an author. Before the break, we heard how he became a Christian. Now we'll hear what happened next in his life. Okay, your background at that point, you're a lawyer hanging out with, you know, intellectual lawyer type friends and all that. What did they think of your conversion? Well, many people were surprised and, and puzzled, both family and, and friends and colleagues. Mm-hmm. I think my father found it hard to understand. Um, I think um, I, I'll never forget a couple of comments from friends. Oh, Roy, you're the, you're the last person in the world I would have expected to, to fall for this sort of rubbish. Um, what's the story? But other people were, other people were interested and a few people were positively moved. You know, people I, I, I then knew, learnt were Christians themselves. So that was a fascinating experience. Mm-hmm. And for some years I, I, I tried to explain to people why I'd become a Christian. And after a while I realised I wasn't doing a very good job of it. Uh, you know that injunction in Peter's first letter that we should all be ready with an answer. Mm-hmm to anyone who asks the reasons for the hope that you have. And Mm -hmm. around about the time I was about to turn 40, I made a determined effort to sit down and actually write out my reasons. Again, it's just the sort of person I am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Everybody's wired differently, and it's great to hear how God uniquely called you unique to the way you're wired. Indeed. So I was a highly literate rational evidence-based lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like writing submissions. Right. The next time someone asked me, I'm going to, these are my five top reasons. And uh, so it started as a little sort of pricey for myself, then an essay to myself. Eventually, eventually I, I became obsessed with it and it was a book-length manuscript, um, yeah. which I was sitting on and started giving to a few people. And uh, a few came back and said, um, gee, Roy, this is not half bad. I mean, I yeah. don't believe it, but uh, it's not. you should try and get it published. Some Christian publisher will publish it. Oh, really? It. So non-Christians were reading it? Yeah, well, that's why I wrote it, Eric. Yeah. I, I wrote it for non-Christians. I wrote it for people like I had been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People who were immersed in the secular world, who were very well educated in many things, but except the most important things. Mm-hmm. My aim throughout my career such as it's been as a public evangelist has just been to get people to take Christianity seriously. Mm-hmm. Now, I think by and large I've been a failure in the sense that uh, most people who've read my books are Christians already. Um, some of them don't agree with me on quite a few th- things. But uh, to actually try to convert secular Australians in the 21st century is extremely difficult. Mm. The, the country we now live in is is increasingly not merely indifferent to Christianity but positively hostile to it. Mm. And um, although conversions happen every day, it, it's it's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. As any of your listeners out there will know if they've tried it. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, especially just reading a manuscript. But at least seeds are planted and you're sending the message that our Christian faith is intellectually credible. Correct. That's what. I, that's essentially what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Just at the very least, understand 
I haven't suddenly gone insane. Um, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, re- I've reasoned my way to this. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and the Christian story has held up for 2,000 years mm-hmm. against all of the greatest minds mm-hmm. throughout the world, yeah. um, at least until very recent times. And look, a few people, a few people have genuinely taken it on. I'm my brother, I'm still working on. Um, I think he's about two thirds of the way there. Hmm. I don't think I ever succeeded with my father. I suspect he died a deist, not a Christian. Hmm. Um, he wrote this long letter to me after I gave him the manuscript and more or less said that he just never been able to believe in the divinity of Christ. Hmm. Um, but he wasn't prepared to accept the universe was simply a, an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An uncaused accident. Yeah. And this mm-hmm. essentially became your first book. Yes. So this, uh, uh, another little bit of my personal story is probably required here. So in my early 40s, I had what in old-fashioned language would be called a physical and mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. And I had, I, had to, I had to take a long time off from, from legal practice. And uh, it was in now, that, that period of burnout. What, what caused the breakdown? Uh, look, it was diagnosed as uh, a severe depression, hmm. and also I had I had a couple of quite serious physical ailments as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the depression was the long term problem, and I had to decide, taking into account medical advice and uh, lots of advice from family and friends, often conflicting, um, what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, after a lot of prayer and soul-searching, I actually decided to leave the law. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an easy decision for many reasons. And many people were angry about it, but I decided to leave the law. And I then had to decide, once I'd recovered somewhat, well, what am I going to do with myself? The, the only skill I have is writing. Um, and I actually come from a family of writers. Um, both mm. my father and brother were journalists. My brother still is. Um, I was the odd man out being a lawyer and I had this manuscript and <laughs> I, I, I hawked it to, to publishers all around Australia and initially I was knocked back by everybody. Mm-hmm. I had a perfect set of rejection letters, including from the publishers who ultimately published it um, oh. and including from Christian publishers who I now know really well. <laughs> um, but it was actually God's grace because the manuscript wasn't good enough the first time. Mm. And uh, by his providence, I was led to a the one literary agent in Australia, and there aren't that many of them, who agreed to look at my manuscript and work on it with me. This mm. lady was a Christian in Brisbane. And with her assistance, we, we got God actually into publishable form and uh, snapped up, I was, I was astonished. It was snapped up, published by ABC Books, and uh, now, the secular ABC Books. Yes, yes, indeed, it was part of the ABC in those days. Yeah, um, I think they were attracted. It was at the time you may remember, Eric, when Richard Dawkins and Christopher yeah. Hitchens and the so-called New Atheists yeah. were, were bestsellers, yeah. and I, mm-hmm. I think they saw me. Well, this guy doesn't seem to have two heads, and he's <laughs> he's trying to take those people on. You know, this could be quite interesting. Oh, so they, it could be part of the debate. Part of the debate, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. what I was really hoping for. Yeah. Um, 
I challenged Dawkins to a public debate when he was in Australia. But oh, is that right? Never, never heard back from him. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, to cut a long story short, that book became something of a bestseller in Australian terms, and it got picked up in um, Britain and North America. And it introduced me critically to the, to the Australian Christian scene. Mm-hmm. So this is where I made a lot of friends, people who are now friends, mm-hmm. close friends, through that book, you know, being invited to speak all around the country and also at secular writers' festivals, which, which was another experience. Um, but that, that got, me, got me started in my second career as, yeah. as, a, as, a, as an author. Yeah, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but you went on to write several Christian books on various topics and also including the one we talked about at the beginning, the biography of Arthur Stace, Mystery Eternity. Yeah, yeah, that, it's it's just a wonderful story. Uh, really, the job of any writer was just to do justice to it. Mm-hmm. And there's an argument that Arthur Stace is Australia's greatest ever evangelist. Hmm. And I don't say that lightly, but... In terms of the number of people he reached, ultimately with his message, he probably influenced more people than anyone. Even mm-hmm. even the most learned theologians and of all Christian denominations. Um, well, I was already more. interested to hear his story, but now you're making me even more interested to hear <laughs> Arthur Stace's story. Will you come back next time to share his story? I'd love to. I'd love to tell Arthur's story. That'd be great. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story with us today, Roy Williams. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Eric. Well, that was part one of my conversation with Roy Williams. Roy's the author of several Christian books, including one we will focus on next time, Mr. Eternity, the story of Arthur Stace. Until then, I'm Eric Scadabo. So long and God bless. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Real Faith is a production of Vision Christian Media. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.